Hey guys, it's Brant within my head channel, and I'm back with another Kiss the Panel Has Spoken video. And we are up to Psycho Circus for this episode. And uh, if you've been reading down in the comments with the rest of everybody else, this is an album that people either love to hate, or they love it, or they have all kinds of their own opinions about it. And we're going to kind of, I think between the four of us, we're going to probably cover all of those. We may all agree, disagree with that. So we're going to discuss these songs and we're probably, some of us will probably be on your side and some of us will probably be opposing you. So we'll see. I have my own opinion about this album and it's not the opinion, at least I don't think it's the opinion that everybody else is going to think I feel about it. And I'm just going through the comments. I didn't really see anybody citing with me on this so we'll see if everybody else does or anybody else does in the panel here um so with me today on the panel i have my uh partner in crime he's over here i have my partner in crime rick from it's all for you demon hello and and down in the lower right hand corner i have walter from walter i was gonna call you walt walter from kissing time so he's kissing time on youtube and Below me down here, I have Kimchi Chris. Chris, I'll probably call you Kimchi and Chris and Kimchi Chris and who knows what all. But Kimchi Chris, Kimchi Chris from YouTube. So it's all YouTube channels here today. Uh, so you're getting a, a quadruple bypass of YouTube channels. So um, without getting too much into the songs and without getting too much into what what your opinions supporting pros cons may be let's talk about let's go around the room here and let's talk about um psycho circus for you uh for each one of us um i'll start as usual psycho circus for me was uh, a very exciting time uh this was the spencer's era this is when spencer's was vomiting Kiss uh, memorabilia uh, faster than you could buy it. Uh, I recently, uh, back last year, I visited a friend of mine who has a bunch of that stuff. I put a video up of his Kiss room with a bunch of Spencer stuff in it. But I remember being excited about this. I had the shirt. Um, I had the VHS tape that had the 3D video in it. Um, I had the cassette, or I had the CD. Uh, I didn't, and I don't have that CD anymore, but I do have it on vinyl now. Um, the 2014 reissue vinyl that has the front that does that. And uh, it's still sealed. I've not opened any of my 2014 stuff. Um, but so I listen to this now. I listen to it streaming. Uh, I know, Rick. I know. I know, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Um, it was an exciting time. It was, Kiss was back together, and um, and they were going to make an album, and and everybody was excited about this album. And some people um, were ecstatic when it came out. Some people were disappointed when it came out. And there's a lot of coulda, woulda, shouldas that I'm sure that we'll discuss. But at the time, now that's all after the fact. So I'm trying to go back to the time that it came out. The time that it came out, I was excited. I was just happy to get material from the band um, to see all the guys recording again, even though it might not have been on every song. We didn't really know that, but you kind of noticed it when you started listening. And and we were already used to Kiss, you know, having ghost writers and ghost 
players uh, by this time. So it wasn't, it was kind of old hat. But um, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to get too into too, too much into my thoughts. But uh, I remember being excited about this album and the uh, the tour that was before it, the tour that was after it. Um, and it was a good time. It was a good time to be a Kiss fan again. It kind of recharged and resurged the makeup era uh, and um, and kind of helped it go along. And it's kind of just stayed along to the way it is still today, you know, with, with Sonic Boom coming out some years later and then Monster coming out and then uh, Rocks Vegas coming out and Kiss, you know, where they are now with the temporarily suspended uh, end of the road tour. Uh, so it's it's kind of the thing that started things back up along with the reunion. So uh, it's good times. It's good times for me. Um, and I enjoy this album. Even with my beefs I have with it, I enjoy it. So that's enough for me for now. What about you, Rick? I was working at a music store when this came out, and I just remember, like, it was so exciting to make room for the CD the night before. I took the next day off, came in, bought it, went home. I just loved it. It was so much fun. And, yeah, I have, like, that shirt you were talking about. I mean, I I was all over Spencer's at that time. That was, like, heaven. It was like a candy shop. And even though, basically, you said everything I was going to say, even though, you know, on your second and third listen, you realized this wasn't Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter as a whole for, through, through the whole album. I don't care. I loved it then. I still love it today. It's it's a fun record to play. It's It's got its, as you like to say, your <laughs> stinkers. But, I mean, it's it's fun. I still celebrate it. All right. So, Walter, what about you? Psycho Circus. Psycho Circus. Uh, well, that the whole reunion, farewell, Psycho Circus era, that chunk that six-year chunk i think was a magical time um because kiss was back it was the four original guys and there was a lot of things going on that were really fun um so for me it was it was so unfortunate because right after mtv unplug happened i moved to maui and i was on maui for the whole reunion and the whole cycle circus tour because bands don't typically bring their stages out to Maui for a couple shows and then back, you know, it's like doing an overseas tour almost. So I had to wait to see him uh, on the farewell tour. So when the album came out, I had just got back to the mainland and uh, I was so pumped for the, for the album. I was really pumped, you know, because they promoted it. Like this is going to be Ace, Paul, Gene and Peter for the first time. And I'm like, telling all my friends this is going to be the greatest kiss album since love gun and and uh, i'll stop there i dropped the needle on it and i was like this isn't kiss <laughs> <laughs> um but like rick said it was still a good album you know and uh and, and there's a lot of good things about the album that i like and uh, so okay. don't want right. to go too much into all that <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah. As we get into the songs, uh, I'm sure the opinions will fly, uh, and that's good. So, what about you, Kimchi, Chris? Uh, tell us about your Psycho Circus. So, 
I'm a little different in age than you guys. I, I was a little guy when it came out. I was like, I was like this big, this big when it came out. And uh, this, as a result, was the first new Kiss record in my life. Before that, I remember uh, Greatest Kiss coming out and just being like, oh, there's nothing new on this. And But then this came out. So I was pumped. I was all about Psycho Circus. I had the action figures. I had the comic books. Of course, I went to the tour. I had, I, I brought this, you know, I didn't want to grab all of the Psycho Circus merch from around the house because it would take too long. But you need to see how many versions of this thing I have on CD. So I have the regular version. I have the two CD from Germany that has the live tracks on it version. I have oh, this wow. Jap Japanese one that has In Your Face on it. I have this single that has a lot of useless stuff on it. I have a second <laughs> copy of that single. I have the single with Peter's face on it, single with Ace's face that came with the VHS tape. I have the We Are One single with the like cardboard cover and two copies of the regular We Are One single. And I might have more. I don't know. But <laughs> the point nice. is, I was so excited when this came out. I remember I had my mom go to the mall and purchase it for me on release day so I could have it the second I got out of school and listen to it. And I remember it came with a poster from the store member, I'm sure Rick remembers how record stores would do like promo items. Mm -hmm. They don't do that anymore too much. But it came with a poster and it came with a magnet. A uh, poster was cool because it was a Psycho Circus shot. Magnet was from the reunion era. Pretty cool though. And I remember just loving it as a little guy. And you know, with the internet being a big thing, I didn't know that anybody was you know playing on this that was different than the original guys. I was a little kid. I was pumped about it. I just seen them on the reunion tour, and a little bit after uh, this came out, of course, it was announced they were coming back to Nashville, and I was so excited. And I think that's kind of what plays into my fandom of this album, is because a lot of people say, you know, when I got into the band, this was my new al album, be it Crazy Nights, be it Revenge, be it Hot in the Shade, whatever it is. So those records hold a special place in your heart. I know that's what it is with me, but nonetheless, I still think it's a dope record, and uh, we'll get into the discussion of that here in a second. But I did listen to it in excess for the last week or so and i still think it's great i still think it holds up and uh yeah it really helped you know form an opinion uh, for the band even further for me as a kind of a vital you know vibrant band it was it was also good being in school because i could say hey these old guys that i love are putting out new music so it's not just limp biscuit kiss is still relevant because <laughs> you know limp biscuit was the big one at that time biggest man in the world at that point but uh kiss was back so you know didn't need the nookie anymore <laughs> so, so, Brant, so Brant, last week when you said Kimchi Chris was going to come on and defend this record, you were not lying <laughs> at all. Oh, yeah. That's what he said. I've never, I've never seen more Psycho Circus singles in my life <laughs> in one place. That was amazing. There's more of them is the sad part, but that's the collection I have. <laughs> that was awesome. So now Psycho Circus, Chris, is it your most, is it your favorite Kiss album? Or is it just oh, the one? Not. It's just the one that you celebrated... <laughs> You celebrate a lot because it was kind of your first new new album. Yeah, I think I appreciate it and like it a lot more than other people, but it's not my favorite. I mean, that of course goes to the more classic stuff. You know, I funny enough, I always go between uh, Hotter Than Hell and Love Gun. I can't decide which one is my favorite, but it's one of those two. If you take the live albums out of it, because obviously a lot changes things, but uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah, it's 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 up there a lot higher for me. I know some people say this is the worst Kiss album, and I say you're wrong because you know I'm the shade of Kiss. Yeah. Um. You was talking about Watch some... Watch your tongue there, boy. No, <laughs> you, uh, no, you're not old enough to have an official opinion about Kiss. People have told me that, and I'm just like, wow, age discrimination is alive and well, you know? Similar to, you know, I mean, I, one of my friends, his favorite Kiss song is, uh, is Deuce, uh, which is a good Kiss song. Nobody argues Deuce, but 
people have said things about his opinions on Kiss or anything else because he's a black guy. And I'm just like, that is beyond wrong. So, I mean, it's age, it's race, it's sex, it's whatever. So, uh, you know, the haters going to hate, but it's whatever. Every opinion's valid. I, I love I love seeing young Kiss fans. Uh, we have Emily, who is 23, and she tells stories about being two. And a lot of my viewers sometimes, they'll be kind of, and I've rose up in the comments and defended her because they're like, oh, so you were two. Oh, do you remember this one from when you were two? And, you know, some people do remember that well, that, that far back. Um, and we also have, like, uh, CC Spooky 6 from uh, Twitter. She's 18. So we have, I, I love seeing young Kiss fans. I love that. Uh, it can't oh, yeah. be. It can't be all us old farts. It can't be all us guys in our forties and fifties and in our sixties. <laughs> it can't be all of us. It has to be younger people too. And so I'm not going to be the person, even though in my neighborhood I am the old man that stands on my front porch <laughs> and tells people to get the hell out of my yard. Um, I'm not going to tell Kiss fans, young Kiss fans, to get the hell away from my band. It does it does it kind of gnaw at me a little bit to hear young fans. Ha, not have an issue with Tommy and Eric wearing the makeup. It does gnaw at me a little bit, but they don't have the they don't have the experience of that history. So I think that's what yeah. bothers me is because that was my kiss and this is their kiss, and so I have to be perfectly accepting that this is their kiss, and they're perfectly okay with the guys wearing the makeup, you know. And that's a hard pill for me to swallow sometimes. It's a hard pill for a lot of us to swallow sometimes, especially us, us old older folks. But we have to because we have to oh, let yeah. we have to let them have their kiss. Well, you know the funny part on that too is I love all these you know older gentlemen. There's nothing wrong with being older, obviously, because I'll be there one day just like everyone else. But I love that they'll talk trash online. But the second you're at the Kiss Expo and Tommy is there in person, they're the oh, nicest God. guys in the world to him, getting uh -huh. pictures, autographs, everything else. So I mean, it's just it's yep. you know if you. If you really hated the band so much, just get out of the fandom. Mm -hmm. It's fine. We don't need you. There's a lot of us here. It's cool. <laughs> so the, the but the young kids, they're needed. You know, I mean, because even the people that follow my channel, especially I interact with on on Instagram and stuff, they're younger than me, especially the ones on Instagram. They're like 14, a lot of them, and they, you know, they're great. They'll send me little messages and stuff and say, hey, I'm glad there's someone out there talking that's, uh, you know, a little bit on the younger side. You know, which you know is no put down typically to anyone else, but uh, I think it's yeah, it's very important to have every generation. I think there should be like 80 year olds talking about them as well. I think we need to give Paul's dad a YouTube channel and talk about Paul basically. <laughs> um, we talked about how kiss, how this album talking about the little bit behind the scenes on the, I'm a little bit, um, it wasn't entirely kiss. And, you know, we do have some outside musicians. Uh, Bruce Killick plays on a lot of songs. He plays a lot of bass for Gene on a lot of songs. Um, like Bruce plays, uh, bass on psycho circus <laughs> um paul plays bass on pledge allegiance to the state rock and roll paul plays bass on i finally found my way to you bruce plays bass on dreaming um you know uh peter plays drums on one song uh kevin valentine plays drums on all the others tommy thayer plays lead guitar on psycho circus raise your glasses and dreaming and bruce Kulick plays the backwards guitar solo intro on within and the bass and the vacuum vocals. Um, and uh, then we have some acoustic piano, Shelly Berg. And then Bob Ezrin plays Defender Rhodes on track eight. So, and this album had a lot of really cool demos. I'm going to put a link down in the description. 
um, to a video that has them all. And but it was a there was a couple different different versions of in your face. Um, and a lot of people wanted in your face on this, but I wanted to go with the kind of the, the release that I felt like most people would have, which would be the American release, the U.S. release that did not have in your face on it. As, as Chris said, it was on the Japan release. Um, but Paul had a demo called Body and Soul, which was, it's uh, you know, it was good. Um, Gene had a lot of demos. He had one called I Want to Rule the World, which mm. sounded like it could have been on his solo he had one called great. he had one called Carnival of Souls, which was actually really nice. He had, of course, it's my life, um, which is good. He had one called Sweet and Dirty Love, and I love the slide guitar that's in that. Um, he also had one called I Am Yours. <laughs> he also had one called Rain Keeps Falling. That's kind of funky and edgy. And then there is a recording floating around there of a 1998 re-recording of Detroit Rock City. Um, those are all in that video, so you can check that. Watch this video and then check that uh, check that link out. And oh, saying up front, go ahead and give me a thumbs up for this video, and go ahead and click subscribe, the notification button. And after this video, go to these guys' channels and do the same. Do the same on that too for these guys, because that does help us out for those who uh, who try to make a little bit of money coming back. And trust me, it is not a lot. But try to make a little bit to come back because then what I do is I take this money, it goes into an account, and then whenever I actually can start go record shopping again or get online and buy stuff off eBay, I buy it and then I make videos talking to you about it and educate and not educate but entertain you. So it's kind of like, you know, you watch videos, it doesn't cost you anything and, you know, you click thumbs up and subscribe and do stuff like that. It doesn't cost you anything but... It makes gives lets me make the channel better, and it have, that's that's the same for all these guys. Uh, Rick's not monetized yet. I'm trying to get him to that thousand, and then at that point in time, he can choose if he wants to monetize or not. And Chris, aren't you above a thousand yet? This close, this close. So go give those subs right now, right now. We'll finish watching this video, and then, yeah. then or you know, open a new tab <laughs> while you're watching this video. Find yeah. me and click the right. sub there. Right. Yeah, he's close, guys. I thought that you were close. I didn't know if you'd made it yet or not. And Walt, super, Walter, I don't know where you're where you're at on yours. I think you're still getting you started, aren't you? I need someone to watch my videos for a thousand hours, <laughs> and then I'll have that part of it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, continuously though, it's over time. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Doesn't it say like a thousand subscribers or a thousand hours? It's both. Of- it's both. Oh, uh, it's, okay. It's both. It's more than a thousand watch hours. I can't remember what it is yeah. exactly, but yeah, it's, and you have it's definitely to, more than that. And it has to be maintained. It, ha- I th- right. it has to be maintained. Like if you fall below, right. that that's to keep you making videos. That's to keep you on 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 the treadmill. But anyway, we're getting off on, on that's an that's yeah. an entirely <laughs> different video. So let's yeah, get. Yeah, I make mine for fun. Let's talk about you guys. Let's talk about the panel. Um, big panel this time. We had. Um, I mean, did I say earlier, guys, 93? i got 93 on this panel, and I'm going to read them off my spreadsheet here just because it's easier to do that. So um, we got me, Rick, Kimchi, Chris, and Walter from Kissing Time from YouTube. Guys, get your drinks and settle your drinks. Go use the bathroom. Rick, you can go walk the dogs if you need to. <laughs> uh, the dogs. YouTube, um, IndyCult777, Daniel Bars, John O, Jeremy Kimona, Holspa Metal, Two Gay Dads, Trevor Bullock, Snake Hips 3131, Rog 2002, Buckwheat, 
Brian Stacy, Jesse Ray, RJ Dubs, Raven FM, John B. Good, Steve Rivas, Brian Foster, X Josh, Les Wadley, Joey Middleton, Robbie Stars, Travis Mulgard, Gregory Pegg, Stephen Goodman, Sandy Graziano, Mark Morris, Sublime 130, Hard Rock Reverie, Mikhail D, Mixie Horror and Pop Culture, Carolina, Hard Rock Metalhead, Rick R, CD Scale Models, John Howard, Roger Bennett, Tom Tobin, Scott Epperly, Joel Pegg, Mudbone, Super Kiss 1200, Dark Light, Demetrius K, Hitspace 1980, That Toy Bonnie Guy, Jay Reed, Future Squash 67, Wom SB, Emily Graziano, and Jay Rucker. From Twitter, from Twitter, from Twitter we have Matthew Smith, CC, Luis Fernando, Katie Christina, Darren Helliwell, Tony Rod, Jack Skellington, Dave Cranston, Bill Bill Wyatt, Vincent Marone Author, Bill Sharp, Ace Van Deuce, Bucket of Trouble, Eric Mosiu, Sam Loomis, Paul Teplius, Tom Dust, David King, Aladio, Steve Hardy, and Lakers fan from Facebook, Destroyer Dave, Keith Nudu, Wesley Jones, Terry Very Holloway, Paul Bertolino, Christopher Rossiu, Walter Tajesen, T-H-I-J-E-S-S-E-N. He's from um, Belgium, I think. Uh, Matt, and I'm sorry if I, I, I butchered your name. Matt Yuchi, Scott Lushka, Ralph Vieira, Joe Nail, Scotty Sky, Michael Wayne, Instagram, Dylan Tucker, The Clarences, Tony P., AJ Cetro, 1975, Justin Churchy Hanson III, and Drew, Drew Tan, 16. So that's all of us. All right. So let's go ahead and get into these tracks. We have 10 tracks, and we'll start with predictions for number 10. So start with you, Rick. I have, I finally found my way. Uh, I finally found my way. That hunk of garbage called I Finally Found My Way. <laughs> Wait, there's a you there's a song you don't like on this record? <laughs> yes. Very much so on this one. He's gone defend to the album, but not Peter's track. I love um, Peter. Paul wrote song it. is a different story. <laughs> um, uh, I predicted um for number ten, I finally found my way. Um with hundred and eighty five points which is low for a panel this size. <laughs> uh, the panel chose collectively, um, well, except for one person, chose I Finally Found My Way as the number 10 track. Um, one panelist, nay, say one panelist, um, <laughs> Just, Justin Churchy Hanson third picked I Finally Found My Way as their number one favorite song. And I admire that. I, whenever I see a song that collectively we as a group almost cannot stand, I love to see one person say that that's their favorite song. And mm-hmm. and kudos to them, man. Um, now, believe it or not, I did not pick I Finally Found My Way as the worst song on this album or my least favorite song on this album. I actually picked it as eighth for me. Uh, this song... Uh, it's it, it it sounds like this is one of those songs where it sounds like they're trying too hard and Paul wrote a song for Peter and Peter's performance on it is I don't know he's it's like he's trying too hard uh the only part about this song that I really 
stand up for and I will listen for this song to to this song to get to this part is when Paul and Peter start singing together. That remember how we used to hide away. That's the very best part of this whole song. Uh, and even though I've saw some viewers give that part crap saying the duet between the love song between Paul and Peter, I doubt <laughs> Peter and Paul ever hid away anywhere together. Um, you know, but um, I don't know, man. I don't hate this song. I, 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 it feels forced, and it feels like Peter's trying too hard. It's like they're trying to write a Beth part four or part three or whatever. Uh, but man, there's so much stuff, better stuff. I hate to see that Peter on this album got niched into being the ballad. You know, Peter gets niched into singing ballads, Hard Luck Woman, Beth, and and you know, let's give me a Baby Driver, give me a Hooligan. You know, yes. get, give me something like that. You don't have to give me uh, nothing to lose or something like or Black Diamond, but at least give me something that's got a little balls and a little crunch to it. But it's eight for me. So, Rick, where has finally found my way for you? Number 10 for me. Um, I do love the Peter and Paul vocal. That, that part is almost chills, kind of in a way, for a song I don't like. But... Had this song been on Peter's solo album, I would love it. I'm just going to say that. Sometimes it depends upon the record Mm -hmm. for the song to have a a feel for me. And on this record, I don't like this song. If this song was on Peter's record, I think I'd be, it'd be up higher. Okay. So Walter, where does I finally found my way come in for you? Uh, I picked it at number 10. Um, And it's really because... I really think that Paul wrote it on purpose, hoping that it was going to be a hit like Beth. It's like Beth part two. It's like he comes home, right? He finally found his way home. Uh-huh. Kind of like Paul gave him a ballad and, and you know, hoping it would kind of be like a Beth. Um, what I do know, I have a friend who actually in L.A. Uh, works for Music Connection. He writes for Music Connection and interviewed them. Peter. Um, Peter actually submitted a song called Psycho Circus and about 32 songs, I think, for that album between him and Ace. Um, And they just all got rejected. And one of them was Words that's on One for All. Uh, It was supposed to, was one of the songs he submitted. Um, So unfortunately, I mean, that's one of the things that kind of bums me out that you know, I'm sure there was a lot of songs that they could have gave him one song that could have been a song that he wrote um, and would have been a better song than I finally found my way, but that's what we got. So. Yeah. All right. Kim to Chris, what about you? It's just not good. <laughs> I could end it right there, but uh, but I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit. I, I don't think it's the worst written song. I actually think it might have been a little better if Paul had sang it. I hate to say that, but I mean, I, you know, again, they're trying to make Beth, obviously. Uh, but they also didn't go like full force with that because I just looked up and I was curious if this was released as a single, maybe in like another country or something. No, it wasn't released as a single anywhere. They didn't perform it live. So it's like a haphazard version of Beth. They didn't really want to go full throttle. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, it's just, it's not great. The writing is okay. Um, I, I don't dislike P- 
Peter's vocals on this. They're better than that that solo record, of course, a couple years down the line. Uh, but I think the lyrics are weak as well. I mean, the, the music is written well. That's probably the best way to say it. I think the music is fine, but I think the actual words are weak. Uh, this doesn't seem like the Catman we all know and love. And, you know, the whole facade of him being this, like, ballad guy was blown by then to even people in the general public. Everybody knew this was, like, a crazy rock and roll guy. So give him a crazy rock and roll song and, you know, maybe have Paul have the ballad. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul does good with ballads. Paul mm-hmm. ballads are good. Peter ballads are sometimes good, but this is not a good one. And, uh, you know, it, it makes sense on the record because if you're trying to recreate Destroyer, because they're always trying to recreate Destroyer, uh, you got to have the ballad on there. And I guess it's got to be Peter, but... Uh, <laughs> This one, it just didn't, it didn't work too well. It's a little too melodramatic, I think. It's, it's like you said, it's very forced. Mm-hmm. Who produced this record, Brant? Was it Bruce Fairburn? Let me check my seventeen copies of it. <laughs> I think, just, I think it's, I think it's Bruce Fairburn. Fairborn. Uh, That's right. I, yeah. I always remember Paul wasn't happy with the production, right? That's what I always remember hearing. If, yeah, Paul wasn't happy probably because he didn't produce himself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> never, never, never mind. You're right. <laughs> Which is dumb because sonically this is a great sounding record, but uh nonetheless. I got I think what I got from it is he wasn't happy with the whole experience. Uh, you know, with the recording and just uh, yeah, Ace and Peter just, and the lawyers and everything and Yeah, so that just all the song rejections just got me thinking about what was going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So well, it's like they threw Ace a bone with Into the Void. They threw Peter a bone with with Finally Found My Way. They let them sing all together on one song. Mm-hmm. And this song here kind of begins the issue that I have with this album. And But it, it doesn't hit it in the heart, so I'm not going to reveal it too much. But to me, a song with this uh, subject matter is a horrible given the history of Kiss and given the history of how Peter left and all the stuff that went on in between Gene and Paul and Peter and the Kiss Corporation leading up to this. Uh, and then they're going to give him a song called I Finally Found My Way Back to you. I Finally <laughs> Found My Way to You. It's almost like Paul saying, Oh, Peter, kiss my ring. You're allowed to be back in the band. You finally found a way back to us. And it's like... Come on, man! You know, See, don't thought... don't do the cat man that way. Don't don't do him that way. Don't make don't, don't don't act like you're doing these guys a favor, putting them on an album with you. These guys made you a shit ton of money on the previous <laughs> tour. <laughs> they made what? you big. They made you millionaires again. You know, they were probably millionaires before, maybe, but they were definitely look at the houses they're living in now compared to i mean gene promptly after these albums after this tour and after this album built his mansion that you know and so god don't don't act like you don't act like these guys owe you anything you know then don't don't be so i don't know condescending towards them that's always been my beef with gene and paul is how they treat ace and peter and well even even then this album kind of started the niche factor you moving on to Sonic Boom and Monster where you know Eric and Tommy got Spaceman Catman songs you know give let let people just write rock songs don't bring your character into it just do rock songs you know and so that's what that's how I always felt this 
this album started that niche factor. Yeah. Yeah. Peter had all the songs for Chris out the second Chris album he was going to do that he submitted. Mm. Like the shooter and all those songs. So I always thought Bad Reputation, if they would have redone that, would have fit great on that. Ooh, that would have been cool. That's a good song. <laughs> all right. So, um, and I'm looking forward to getting those, to, to get into those Peter albums and the Peter solo albums and the Ace Post Kiss solo albums because I'm going to be honest with you. I've not heard every one of them. So Ooh, some wow. of them are going to be brand new experiences for me. Rick's the same. It's going to be brand new experiences for us listening to albums for the first time that some people have listened to for years. So it's going to be very interesting to go into those, those panel videos that we'll be, we'll be coming up on in the next few months. Um, well, I think if you like the 78 solo, you're going to love his first two solo albums. Well, I've heard out, I of, like control. out of control. I've heard <laughs> out of control. I got out of control when I was, when I was right after he left. That's the yeah, only Peter Chris solo one. album. That's the only Peter Chris solo album I've ever heard. I'm not listening Ooh. to any of the others. And Get I've ready heard for one for all. <laughs> You'll like yeah, let me, you, you're you're gonna like ready. let me rock you. You'll like let me rock you. <laughs> yeah. um, he's got a song with he did with Vinny Vincent and Gene Simmons. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah. All right. So let's go on Hi, to Jenny. let's go on to number nine. Pan, uh, panel predictions for number nine. Raise your glasses. <laughs> Raise my glasses. Okay. Got it. We are one. I predicted dreaming, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I predicted uh, raise your glasses for number nine as well. Um, with <laughs> so 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 here's how here's how bad I finally found my way was detested by this panel. <laughs> so I finally found my way scored 185. The next song up at number nine scored 427. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like the separation was crazy. Um, but at 427 points, the panel picked You Wanted the Best as number nine. Uh, four panelists, Dylan Tucker, Future Squash 67, Dark Light, and Trevor Bullock picked You Wanted the Best as their um, number one songs. Number one song I picked You Wanted the Best as fifth for me. It's kind of right there in the middle. This really, this is one of those songs, and I guess I can go ahead and start talking about the beef I have with this album. This is one of those songs that puts it in your face that we're back together. This is a celebration of the band. You wanted the best. You got the, they made a song about their tagline. And, and I mean, and, and I'm not going to go too much into it, but because there's other songs that definitely hit it harder. But the the this song is kind of cringy to me. I like that all four band members are singing, but it's like they're it's like they're airing their dirty laundry, on and it's like it's almost like when you see family members fight that that that's not a member of your family, or when you see people fighting and you can't kind of get away from it, so you're forced to sit there and listen to the argument, and then they start saying real personal shit about each other, and you're like, ooh, can I can I just go somewhere else? This song, I get that feeling from this song. It's like they're they're airing out their dirty laundry. They're saying tongue in cheek things that they, you know, they're saying in jest things that they probably really truly felt. I mean, the words had to come from somewhere, didn't they? Um, you know, like when Peter comes in and says that, and then Gene comes in and says, 
don't do me favors, don't tell me lies. And Pete and Gene says, don't give me sweet talk, Pete, just testify. I mean, it's like, I, my favorite, my favorite, right, my favorite lyric in it is, uh, you live a, fa- a fairy tale, you're just a fallen star. Right, well, who died and made you king? Just who do you think you are? It's just like, and then they actually say it, everything's gotten way out of hand. Okay, well, yeah, it's getting out of hand on this song, too. Uh, you know, but but other than that, this song, it kind of, it's nice hearing all four band members sing. It's not the dumbest song. It's not the worst song on the album, in my opinion. So I I pick it five for me, but it's just a little cringeworthy for me. And the panel, apparently, you know, I don't know why some of these picked them as low as they did, but the panel kind of agreed even more than me in some ways. So what about you, Rick? I predict I put it at number nine. Um, it's got a delicious riff. I love that riff, but and it was nice hearing all four members sing. But it was just so. It was so generic. Like even the lyrics, you know, Gene saying, "You're going to have to drag me kicking and screaming off the stage." He says that in every interview. We don't <laughs> need to hear it in a song, you know. And it, it was just. The lyrics were lame to me. It was, it was. Let's pretend we're all friends. Here we are, you know. I'd I'd rather them write a nothing to lose and have everyone, you know, sing a lyric, you know, or or shout it out loud and have everyone sing a lyric. This just seems so forced. To, that's a good word, forced, and that's why it's so low for me. Mm-hmm. It's like another song that they wrote with an intended purpose yep. it's like it, these things were almost plotted out on a whiteboard in a boardroom <laughs> yeah and that, probably were and 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 they get <laughs> and in my opinion some of them get very much worse uh in, in that fact um so um we'll talk about that though so walter what about you where does you want the best come in for you well for me it came in at number two and i remember when i got the album I thought, why didn't they ever write a song called You Wanted the Best? I mean, it seems so obvious, you know. I think it would have been great if they put it on the actual You Wanted the Best release as a single instead of that Jay Leno interview that they put on there. Um, the reason I think I picked it at number two is only because it's got all four guys singing and it's the only song with only four guys on singing on it. Um the only one that came close was Kissing Time, which has three guys because Ace didn't sing back then. So I think that's why I put it at number one. I always kind of liked the song. Um, I love the lead on it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I get why people don't like it, but it surprised me that so many people didn't like it. <laughs> like so many fans were just like, this song's terrible, you know. I kind of like it, so I put it at number two. Okay. Me? Yep, yep. me. <laughs> yep, you. Uh, so uh, I put it at number six, so it's kind of middle of the road, a little less than middle exactly. Uh, when I was a kid, this was one of my favorites, but over time it's kind of went down the list a little bit. And when I was a kid and I heard this song, my take on it, when I, the visual I got with like the lyrics and kind of like that weird like talking at the end of everything was that it was kind of like kiss in a backstage area and like the crowd was ready and the promoters are like you got to get out there but they're arguing because they're kiss because that's what they do and they're kind of just like 
they're good, you know, good guys. Their family is throw it all aside and they get on stage and melt faces. That's what I always kind of pictured. Obviously, that's not really kind of was the case, I suppose. But uh, as far as the song itself goes, I do. I like the idea of like the whole business room with these are the songs we have to do. Uh, you know, a lot of bands look at it that way. And I like the idea, too, of taking your slogan and making it a song. Yeah, it's cheesy. Yeah, it's like a cartoon. But, you know, you, you got to look at Kiss from a somewhat cartoon perspective if you're like a real fan. I mean, these people that think these are the, you know, compositions of Mozart are a little bit wrong. But at the same time, what made Mozart so great? You know, if, if you don't enjoy it, then it is what it is. I, you know, Mozart's fine. Nonetheless, you are the best is is a good song. I think I really do think it's a good song in that in that regard. The riff is cool. Having everyone on there is cool. Uh, I like that. I think with his, it might just be the way he always delivers his vocals, but I think Ace in particular just really seems like he doesn't want to be on the song with his vocals. He just he seems kind of annoyed to be there, and I like that because my mental picture always of Ace is that he's just kind of like let's, let's just let's just get going. Let's just let's just get this done. Let's move on, and. I really do think that this would have been a cool thing, another missed opportunity if they'd done it live. I think this would have a pretty good fan reaction if they did it live back when it was new, and it probably would have ranked higher on this list. But again, this is Kiss, and they only did three songs from this uh, this record live, so you know it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of middle tier for me, middle tier, yeah. Okay. All right, so that brings us to number eight. What's predictions for number eight? I know I'm know I'm wrong on this, but I said into the void. Okay. You never know with these things. What about you, Walter? What's your prediction for number eight? Uh, I actually picked into the void as well. Okay. Uh, for number eight, I actually predicted you wanted the best. I I thought it was going to rank low, so yeah. <laughs> I predicted um, number eight, and some of these I was just throwing darts board uh but i predicted um i pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll the longest title of a song ever um, <laughs> at, a sentence. at 461 points staying in the 400s 461 points the panel chose and this is going to be a shocker to some of you guys um the panel chose at number eight they chose dreaming um how many is that Fair. shocker to? Is that shocker to any of y'all? Any of you? I mean, guys? I predicted it at nine. So I, I think I, I thought with the Alice thing, this would go low. Yeah. Um, five panelists: AJ Zetro, nineteen seventy-five; Paul Teplis, David King, Demetrius K, and RJ Dubs picked uh, "Dreaming" as their number one song. I picked it as my number seven. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't really, I don't not like this song. It's just I really don't have anything very good to say about it. Yeah, it does definitely sound like eight, I'm 18. Um, but uh, I liked Paul's voice in this. He still had it. Uh, whenever he breaks into that chorus and he says, I'm only dreaming, and when he breaks into that, the chorus to me is the best part of this song. I'm not a fan of the verses. I think they peter down a little too low, uh, and, and I'm a, I'm a fan of dynamics. I love it, but it's just the best part of this song to me is is the chorus. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's it's seven for me. It's kind of left of the middle. 
um, heading towards the bottom. Um, the whole second side of this album to me just feels kind of just like that. Um, <laughs> but, you know. So, um, what about uh, you, Rick? Dreaming for you. I I like this song. I always thought it was kind of badass. It's got some power. It's got some emotion. It's got that Paul Stanley kind of craftsmanship, even though the foundation of the ship was an Alice Cooper song. Uh, the only thing I don't like is right towards the last chorus. It just kind of, it's like they didn't know what to do. And so they just did those snare shots at ba 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 ba. They could have done something cooler. It almost seemed rushed at that point. Like, let's just, I don't know, do a, do a bunch of snare shots and, uh-huh. you know, we'll go back into the chorus. But that chorus, like you said, has some emotion to it. And it it's a, it's a dramatic song. I like it. Okay. What about you, Walter? Uh, I put it at number four. Um, to me, it's the, my favorite Paul song on the album. Because um, it's not that... Uh, I wasn't never crazy about Psycho Circus for some reason. And... The other Paul songs in the album to me are just sort of the anthemic ones. So this song to me, for me, is is, is my favorite song on the album. Um, and I'm a huge Alice fan. I've been, I mean, I'm like a walking Alice Cooper encyclopedia. I see a little bit of the 18 in there, you know, the beginning. But I don't see a lot of it. Um, and I know that Kulik, had a lot on there on this song so i don't know i picked that number four okay chris uh i had it at number nine uh but at this point from from nine up i like all these songs uh this one just doesn't resonate with me as much i think lyrically it's a little bit weird for the record because it is such a kind of like we're back we're big we're kiss we're the biggest band ever and then you have this one that's kind of lyrically a little bit different but uh nonetheless i think it's good I didn't notice the I'm 18 part, but when I was younger, even though I was in Alice Cooper early, I know I had Welcome to My Nightmare, and I'm not even sure I'd heard I'm 18 when this record came out. I'm not sure. I think I might have, but my dad pointed it out when he heard it. He said, that sounds like uh, I'm 18 by Alice Cooper, and of course, that was before the time with all the uh, you know, internet stuff uh, going out there. So nonetheless, I like the song all right. I think it's pretty good. I think it would work really well if uh, if Paul had put out like a solo album around that time, like the 78 mm. one, this would have worked really well. It kind of has like a 78 solo album vibe, I think. And uh, even going back to the kind of it sounding like uh, I'm 18, you know, at least it's not Never Enough off of a Sonic Boom that literally sounds like a Poison song. And I like that song, but it's the exact same riff and everything. So I guess Paul was getting to his let's copy the band's phase a little bit there. But uh, nonetheless, I think it's a cool song. It's, it's good. It's a rocker. But... Uh, it's not, it's not my favorite, but uh, it's it's still pretty good. I like it. I enjoy it. All right. So now that brings us up to number seven. What is predictions for seven? Prediction of Kimchi Chris made me laugh. Um, so now I have <laughs> my homework for the now I have my homework for the night is to listen to Never Enough and figure out which Poison song you're talking about. Oh, it's um, so obvious predict- when you hear it. It is obvious. <laughs> All right. I won't tell okay. you. I won't tell you. Yeah, don't tell me. This will be fun. Um, see, Saturday night's planned. Uh, <laughs> Just number seven. That's a pretty good Saturday night. Actually. That's the ultimate party band, you know. Uh, number seven prediction, you wanted the best. Uh, my number seven prediction is within. 
Uh, I predicted at seven, we are one, even though I'm now kind of thinking that might not happen because of all this current fanfare about the song, but uh, that's what I predicted. Um, Rick, I didn't copy your list, but um, my number seven prediction is you wanted the best. Um, coming in at 472 points, staying in the 400s, not much above dreaming. Um, 472 points at number seven. The panel chose Raise Your Glasses. Five panelists, the Clarences, Tom Tobin, Superkiss1200, Joy Middleton, and Gregory Pegg picked Raise Your Glasses as their um, number one song. I picked it six for me. This is another one of those songs that, and Chris, you kind of hit on it a little bit ago, the general attitude about this song is we're back. Let's celebrate. Raise your glasses. We're back. Everyone around the nation, raise your glasses. Raise, raise your glasses. And raise your glass. Raise my water. <laughs> um, and it's it's another one of those songs that, uh, but I still like it. I mean, I'd score it six. But it's just, it's like, come on, guys. Could you... Could you not be so obvious? I know this is your return record, but could you not have dug a little deeper under the surface and wrote some songs that doesn't have to circle around the fact that you're back together making an album? And a lot of these songs are celebratory songs. They're fun songs, and they're good songs. It's just that common theme that, you know, you have songs that break it like, Within, Dreaming. Um, some of those songs break the mold. Into the Void breaks the mold. It breaks outside of the... the but the, the common theme that runs throughout this is we're back, we're together, let's celebrate, let's, you know, uh, raise your glasses. It just, it gets a little old. One or two songs, sure. But five, six, seven songs? You know, six songs at the very least? Um... It just gets a little, it gets a little long in the tooth. It's like, come on, guys, write about something else, you know, write about something else, anything. Write about some, write about driving in a car, going somewhere. Write about something else. Um, but yeah, so, but for me, I still like it. I scored a, I scored six, uh, six on my list. Number five through one on my list are all pretty much number ones. And Raise Your Glasses is number four. I love Raise Your Glasses. It's cheesy. I get it. But I just love this song. It always puts me in a good mood. I love the hook of the melody line. I love the hook of the chorus. And I love the ego of Paul during that spoken part towards the end where he's like, when all the others only talked, I did it. Oh, man, it's just such so a... Good. So it's good. so fun. It's so fun. It's just an absolute fun song and it just puts me in a good mood okay uh i picked uh raise your glasses number seven um kind of like what you were saying brant um it's it was a little much for me i mean the album is basically like paul gene bruce tommy and kevin valentine and it's ace and peter as like special guests <laughs> Fair. um I, uh, for me, it's like one through five are the songs that I like. And then the rest are sort of, eh. Um, I don't know. This song never really did it for me. Okay. Um, don't have much else to say about it. <laughs> okay. 
I have uh, Raise Your Glasses at number five, uh, which kind of from eight and up are all just like great songs, I think. And this is what I love about Paul. This is the Paul I love. Again, I like the victorious Paul. I love the you can do it. We did it. You know, you made us rich again. So let's raise our glasses, Paul. You know, that's <laughs> I love it. You know, he's excited because now he can raise the like nicer, the nicer. Uh, he drinks wine, right? Yeah, uh-huh. he can raise the nicer wine and Ace can drink whatever he wants. But uh, with that being said, I think it's a great song. It's it's so victorious. This is the Paul Stanley that I know and love. And yeah, it's boasting. But, you know, here's the thing. I thought about this as you guys were talking. This is a weird connection I never thought of till literally like 20 seconds ago. So you got to look at the musical landscape at the time, 1998. Again, I was the guy in high school that all this stuff was being thrown at and marketed to, or not even high school yet. Would it have been high school or middle school? I don't know. Young, little, again, little, like that, that big. And uh, rap rock was really big at the time. I mentioned Limp Biscuit jokingly earlier, but you got to remember Limp Biscuit, Corn, Rage Against the Machine, Slipknot, all these huge bands. And with rap rock, similar to regular hip hop, one of the biggest things was boasting, right? Going all the way back to the early days of hip hop, like Run DMC with. Sucker MCs, Kings of Rock, things of that. So, somewhat, this made them somewhat competitive and somewhat, you know, of the time to be boasting because all those rap rockers were also boasting. Again, Limp Biscuit were the kings of it. They were like, we're rich, we love it, we're successful, you're successful because you made us successful. So, I'm really glad that Kiss didn't go in that direction trying to make a rap rock record. That would have been awful, I'm sure. But nonetheless, this kind of works with that. And I think that made this somewhat contemporary for the time. And even outside of that, just the music is so good. This sounds like it could be in something from, you know, on a record from the 70s. And it just works so well. I know that, you know, it's basically just Paul solo. But, you know, if Paul had put a solo record out in 1998, that would have been fire. I don't care what anybody says. 10 to 15 tracks of Paul Stanley in 1998 with the 1998 Paul Stanley vocals and Paul Stanley writing and production, everything would have been great. And I think the song really just shows how good and how on top of his game Paul was at that point. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our predictions for number six. I pledge allegiance. Okay. Uh, journey of a thou- uh, thousand years. I also predicted journey of a thousand years. Look at that. I predicted dreaming. Um, at 510 points, breaking into the 500s. <laughs> For number six, the panel chose Journey of a Thousand Years. Twelve panelists, Joe Nail, Tom Dust, Aladio, Eric Musiu, that Toy Bonnie guy, Mikhail D, Rick R, Stephen Goodman, Holspa Metal, Rog 2002, Indy Cult 7-7, and one of us picked uh, Journey of a Thousand Years as their favorite track. I picked Journey of a Thousand Years as my ninth favorite track on the album. Um, And it's just because it's... Who who said earlier if Peter would have... If they would have had a solo... If Peter's song would have been on his solo album, they would have dug it. That was Rick. Okay, same for this one to me. If this would have been on a Gene solo album, I totally dug it. I love this. I love this type of Gene. I love this type of Gene song. I love the 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 vocal that he's singing in and everything. I totally I totally love it. But to me, this song is just so out of place on this album. To me, it is. It's just out of place, and it's one of those songs that's towards the end. It's like, oh yeah, this album's really starting to get long <laughs> in the tooth, and it's we're getting ready to go on this song. 
that's talking about a thousand years and this album feels like I've been listening to it for 999 years and it just gets kind of long and I dumped this actually in the album like this is the yep. closer so it's like you really your celebratory comeback album you're going to end it with this <laughs> and like I said it's not a bad song but it's just it's 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 on, I think in my opinion it's on the wrong album and it's and if it's you're going to stick it on this album Put it somewhere else. The third song on the second side or the next to last track on the second side and then kick us in the balls with In Your Face at the end of it or something, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Do something, but... It's wrong, a very discombobulated... Wrong album, wrong wrong album, wrong place on the album, in my opinion. Um, so it's ninth for me, but it's not because I don't like it. Uh, like, There's not a song on here that I don't like. It's just there's songs I like better. So, uh, Rick, where does this come in for you? Comes in at number one. I knew and it. And I chose it. I knew chose it at number one, knowing it's not the best song on the record. It's just my personal favorite. This is this is the song. This is one of those Gene songs, like Mister Make Believe, for me. That like if I need to go into my space and turn out all the lights in the basement and sit on the floor in front of a stereo and lose myself in a song this is one of the songs that i do it to this is gene solo and elder gene all wrapped up in a beautiful little present on psycho circus i agree with you it's a bad ending of the record but the one thing i like is the tip of the hat of the the, the orchestration in this mm. song is Psycho Circus. And that's kind of cool. You have the opening track being played again and the closing track. But I do agree. Bad way to end the record. But oh, I, I love I love me some Gene Solo. And I love this song. All right. Uh, <clears throat> I picked it as number three. Uh, I actually really love this song as well. Um, and uh, like I was saying, I thought the record had a lot of, I thought it was a very kind of discombobulated record, you know, it sounds like, to me, it sounds like 80s Kiss with Ace and Peter on it. And then you got some Elder mixed in with some, with some Carnival Souls mixed in there with, uh, with Within. And so it's kind of discombobulated for me. Um, but Journey of a Thousand Years, when I hear it, it just kind of strikes a chord in me. I don't know what it is. Um, kind of like maybe what Rick was saying with Mr. Make Believe and all that. Like, you know, I went to Kiss Life 2 and I, and I love the early days and that's what I collect, but I have everything still. Um, and I still have all the records and stuff. And when I was listening to this again, that song, you know, I always liked that song for some reason. It's a, it just kind of takes me away. And no, no other songs on this record really do that. Um, it's not my number one, but it is the one song that, that does uh, sort of get into my head and I escape with that song. Mm. So, so I really like that song a lot. Okay. I think it's a great song. I picked it at number two. And uh, again, even though it kind of doesn't make sense on this record, it kind of does make sense because, again, this is a record that everything doesn't make sense. I, you know, Obviously, they're trying to make Destroyer Part 2 because they're always making Destroyer Part 2. They're making Destroyer Part 2 right now, if you didn't know. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, I think it's a cool song. I, again, kind of, I agree with Rick. I like seeing Solo Gene. This very much harkens back to a 78 solo album, which is funny 
because I feel this record harkened a lot around the 78, 79 era of Kiss. And then, of course, with Sonic Boom and Monster, they kind of went further back than that to like 75, 76. Kind of weird. They were working backwards. But I think it's cool. The lyrics are just kind of typical weird gene lyrics when he's not talking about girls he just kind of talks about just almost borderline nonsense sometimes but it works really well in a song like this and i remember even as a kid thinking is this a reference to a hundred thousand years since it's a thousand years you know i remember thinking that even though musically of course it sounds nothing like it but i have always liked this song because of that i think it's it's really cool I think it would have been amazing if they could have actually played it live at any point, especially when they did like the symphony show. Imagine this with a symphony. That would have been that would have been dope. That would have been amazing. And uh, kind of like Rick said, also I love the hearkening back to the music of Psycho Circus earlier in the record. It kind of brought it all full circle. And another idea I always had for this song that they would have never done, but again, kind of on the live side of things, imagine if they had opened their show with this song it would have been a lot different than a normal kiss opening it would have been the same bombast with you know explosions and everything but if they'd done kind of like almost like have a see-through screen and they're playing this song kind of behind you just kind of see the shadows of the guys popping up light smoke pyro it's kind of like doing this like ultimate build up build up build up kind of thing and then they go into like say psycho circus or something and that's when the curtain falls there's pyro it's normal kiss that would have built a really cool mood um i think but of course, they wouldn't do that because the general Kiss audience, they wouldn't know what was going on. They'd say, well, what's this slow, moody song opening the set? This, this, this is Love Gun, as, as Paul says. Yeah, this this sucks. What are they doing? Uh, is this Elder Part 2? I mean, I know the the general audience doesn't even know what the Elder is, but if they somehow did, uh, they might question that. But uh, personally, I think that would have been a cool intro, but it would have made it like three shows and they would have dropped it. Uh, but... I think this is a wonderful song. This is one I really wish Sheen had brought out on one on his solo tour. They did with the Residency guys a couple of years back. I remember oh, hoping oh. he's doing all those. Yeah, he's doing all those cool obscure songs, and those guys can play anything. Mm-hmm. Trust me on this. Those guys can play anything, and uh, you know they you know because they used to do the free Residency show every week here in Nashville. Uh, so you go watch those guys for three hours straight, and uh, they can play anything. So he should have done this on a solo tour. He wasn't going to do it with Kiss, but. Uh, I think it's a wonderful song. Number two, across the board. Like like Rick said, he, he pretty much said a lot of things I was going to say. It takes you away, and it's great. Wonderful song. Wonderful song. Perfect. All right. All right. So that brings us up to number five. So what's the predictions for number five? Dreamin'. I picked Dreamin'. I predicted Raise Your Glasses, but I was wrong, plainly. I predicted Journey of a Thousand Years. And I always want to say 100,000, too. Journey of a Thousand Years. I was close with 511 points, one point above Journey of a Thousand Years. The panel chose, I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll and the United States of America, to the Republic, for which, anyway, no. Um, panel chose, I pledge allegiance uh, at at number five. Four panelists, Michael Wayne, Destroyer Dave, and two other hosts picked this as their favorite song. And I will be one of them because I freaking love this song. Even though this is one of those pandering kind of songs, it's another one of those, hey, we're back. This right here, man, and a lot of people, the, they, they were kind of polarized on this song. Even though it came in at number five, there's a lot of people that picked this song dead last or close to dead last. Um, I'm happy to see it at five. I didn't expect it to be much higher. Um, I'd have been pleasantly surprised. 
But I love everything about this song. I love what the words, the words, I love the performance. I love the energy of this song. Paul sounds freaking great in this song. Um, but yeah, man, this is, this is, if you're not going to say it's beyond, this song's bigger than being a Kiss fan. If you're a rock fan, this is you pledging allegiance to the state of rock and roll. You know, um, this kind of harkens me back to his Preacher Paul during the Alive album where he's talking to the crowd and he's saying, you know, if you believe in rock and roll and they're getting them to yell. And he says, that statement he says, to get the crowd to stand up. Now he says, now that you believe in rock and roll, why don't you stand up for what you believe in? You know, and I mean, so it's like, this is that type of, I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll. This is, and so it's it's in the line of that kind of stuff that they were doing, but it's still, it's not about them. It's it's making it about rock and roll in general and being a rock fan in general and being a Kiss fan in general. Um, so yeah, I pledge allegiance to the state. And this is not one of the songs, this song has grew on me over the years. This used to not be my number one song. Um, but it 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 definitely is my number one song now. Whenever I start this album, this is the song that I'm looking forward to above any other song on this album. It it is this one. Um, so this is my this is hard my number one. Um, so what about you, Rick? It's number seven, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. This Walter mentioned earlier that this album had kind of an '80s feel. And to me, this is this is 80s Paul. This is Crazy Nights Paul with a little Love Gun Paul in it. Um, I like the pre-chorus has a little piss and vinegar in it, which I like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a great song. It's one of those yeah, it's one of those songs that you know you start off this album with such a great opener. You have to have something to look forward to, and this is the Paul song you look forward to. Okay. Walter, I picked it as number six. Uh, again, I think it's a, a for the for the Paul songs um, on the album. It is a little '80s, but I do like that that hook. Um, I gave my blood and I gave my soul. Um, and like you were saying, the state of rock and roll in the '90s until Kiss was back, it made it good again when Kiss came back. You know. Um, Grunge was sort of there, and, and and all the rock bands kind of died out, and then Grunge was getting a little bit old at the time, and and uh, it was nice to see Kiss back. It was cool to go into the toy stores again and get the the action figures and all that, and so you know for that I would say you know it was cool, um, and I am. Um, that's it. I picked it at number six. It's a pretty decent song for for what it was on the album. Okay. What about you, Chris? I picked this one at number one. I'm right with you. This is like to me, this is like quintessential, essential, whatever you want, whatever word you want to use. This is what Paul Stanley, this is what Kiss should be. Anyone does pick this number one, you're wrong. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but uh, I think this is a great song. I think this should have been the first single, honestly, more so than Psycho Circus, even just for the simple fact that kind of what, what you just said there of rock was kind of not looked at in the same light at this point now we were funny enough kind of getting to that point again by here because we had a lot of bands reuniting we had aerosmith having big success again motley Crue reuniting all those kind of things but this was kind of like the de facto mission statement of the band i pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll and we're here for this because 
let's be fair. General populace doesn't care about Kiss doing the psycho circus, you know, building a shtick and thing around that, which they kind of abandon fairly quickly anyways. They look at Kiss as a rock and roll band. They look at Shout It Out Loud, Rock and Roll All Night, Let Me Go Rock and Roll, things like that. So this should have been the first single. This should have been played live. They should have really hit hard with this one because it works so well. The riff is so cool when it comes in. The just the, it's it's pummeling. It's it's the perfect rock and roll song. And I I brought the lyrics up here because I really just wanted to, from a songwriting you know kind of perspective, one of the lyrics on here is so weird, but it works so well. And it's in the chorus where it says, you know, kind of going with the A B A B method with writing songs. It has the the legends growing as the stories told. I know uh, that heaven's gonna wait. So that's you know A and B. And then it has I pledge allegiance to the state. Going back to wait. So actually, it's more A, B, B, A, because then rock and roll is after that, and roll, roll kind of rhymes with told. To get onto too much, not to get too much into the nerd side of things, that's a really weird song structure, but it works so well, and you don't notice it that it's a weird song structure. So from a songwriting perspective, this song's fire. It's great, and uh, it really does what it should do. You know, it's it's just perfect. I like any song that has rock and roll in the title. Give me give me a whole album of rock and roll song titles because you know, rock and roll is rock and roll. Believe in rock and roll. In the words of Guitar Wolf, believe in rock and roll. I, I love this song. How about an album of every version of rock and roll all night? I mean, I don't know if I need that, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of them, so we could do that. Uh, but yeah, a whole everything rock and roll i mean again you have a band like guitar wolf that their whole shtick is that they're a rock and roll band and every album they really do have like five songs with rock and roll in the title so uh you know they uh it's a it's a phrase and i think there's a difference between rock and roll the word or the phrase rock and roll and the phrase rock i really do because rock and roll is what kiss is rock is more like something random on the radio but uh we don't have to get on that. I can be on a tangent for three hours about that. <laughs> I hate it when people call me a rock fan. I'm a rock and roll fan. It's different. <laughs> I, d- I dig the perspective. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So, um, so of course we're in the top. We're in top, We're inside of the top five now. So uh, we're up to number four. So, what's predictions for four? Within. I predicted razor glasses. I predicted Into the Void. I predicted Into the Void as well. With um, 529 points, the panel chose at number four, We Are One. Four panelists, Ralph Vieira, Bill Sharp, Hard Rock Revere, and Jeremy Kimona picked We Are One as their um, number one song. Me, We Are One falls all the way down to the bottom of the list for me. It's This is my number 10 song. I don't not like the song, but this suffers from the same feeling I get um, with uh, Journey of a Hundred, a Journey of a Thousand Years. Uh, it's just Gene, I'd rather have more within type Gene rather than having Journey of a Hundred Thousand Years Gene which I actually prefer over the We Are One gene. This is the Kumbaya gene. The We Are One, Kumbaya, Kiss Lords, Kumbaya. You know, it's kind of... And I know that they're really pushing this song right now, and I submitted a video for it too. I mean, you know, and, and CC made a video about it, and it's great, but this is one of those songs that this is over the top. We're back. Uh, we are one, you are me, I am you, 
what you see. It's all true. It's like, you know, it, it's this is just one of those, this is dreaming. Um, not dreaming, but this is um, uh, finally found my way. It's like trying <laughs> too hard. He's, he's trying too hard to make a song. This is another one of those that could have been on the whiteboard. We're back, so we need to we need to think of a song that will <laughs> unite us together. Now, Paul, you've got I pledge allegiance to the state. That's good. That's good. But I think we can do better. How about a song <laughs> talking about that we are we're one. We are one. We're one. Let's run with that. Let's run with that. Put that well, on the sticky on note. The whiteboard. <laughs> put that on the put that on the sticky note on the whiteboard. Okay. Now, what can we do with that? We're, and it's, it has one, that feeling type for me. Um, but yeah, so this is, I don't hate it. I don't hate any song on this album, but it is way, it's below I Finally Found My Way to You on my Whoa. list. So um, it's down there. Uh, so what about you, Rick? It's uh, number five for me. Um, I agree with all the cheese and the whiteboard and everything, but I love it, man. It's it's just got a, it's just got a uh, Kiss fan, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, sort mm-hmm. of pride to it and it's cheesy but i mean it's also kind of like if if you were 17 and you were picked on all day in high school by the jocks for wearing your kiss shirt you'd go home and cry and listen to this song and then be like you know screw those guys tomorrow i'm gonna you know show them and this is the song so <laughs> I, for that now? for that reason i love it that sounded very autobiographical there for a second <laughs> You boys leave me alone. No, I'm joking. <laughs> why do they keep picking on me? They keep saying, why do I like that band with Vinnie Vincent in it? How do they even know who Vinnie Vincent is? I don't get it. What about you, Walt? Oh, I put it at number nine. Is that all you got to say about it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> did I say much about anything, really? Um I don't know. You know, I put on the album. I, I rate the songs. You know, when you put on a good Kiss album, I mean, I'm sorry to say that. I'm not saying this is a bad Kiss album. Um, <laughs> uh, but when you do an album that you love every song, you know, it's so hard to rate the songs. And so when I put this on, I just kind of went by, you know, I'm grooving to this one or this one, not so much. So that's why it ended up at number nine. Um, just didn't do that much for me. Okay. Um, you- lyrically, okay. it's like you said, it's a little syrupy, and they did enough of that. You know, they got the, you wanted the best, we are one, you know, journey of a thousand years, and, and it just seems like a little little much there. All right, Chris? Uh, well, here's the single again. You know, that was, but it's going to be backwards, that part <laughs> uh, But uh, that's one of the singles. But uh, why was this a single? Uh, nonetheless, I put it at, uh, what did I put it at? Number seven. I put it at seven on my list. And you know, I think it's it's all right. It's pretty good. It's it's unique. Uh, it's not very demon-like, but, you know, it kind of, I agree with you guys. It was very much a, you know, we need a song to unite the people. I'm so excited these earbuds are popping out. Uh, but we need to unite the people, you know. Uh, let's, let's, let's have a song for the people. Kind of like going back to how they said they wrote Rock and Roll All Night, you know. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's good. It's not bad. It, it's kind of good in the KISS canon to have something that is a little bit different as far as the the way it sounds uh, and whatnot, but it's just okay as far as the album goes. It's it's cool. 
this is one I've, I've said on a lot of these that I was surprised and sad they didn't play them live. I don't think this one would have went over live well at all. So I'm very surprised it was put out as a single. I think it would have landed like a ton of bricks because we all know when they play newer songs, a lot of people go to the bathroom anyways, but at least if they're like a rock song or something kind of blend in, this one wouldn't have went over well, but kind of going back to journey of a thousand years, this had been a solo album from Gene in 98. This would have probably worked really well for it. Uh, but the sentiments are nice. The lyrics are fine. You know, it's, it's kind of cool that it's getting a new life now, I think. I would not be surprised if there are some people out there that think this is a new Kiss song. I'm not even joking. Some of the kind of more casuals, like, oh, they put a new song out, you know, because some bands are doing that. Alice Cooper's putting out a new one soon, uh, kind of related to everything. So I would not be surprised if some people thought this was a new song. And, you know, more power to them. It, it'd be, it's going to be interesting to see if this somehow when they put that video out, if it somehow lands in like the top 10 uh, streams on Spotify with the song. Uh, oh, if, we'll, we'll, if they, yeah. if they include nurses or anything, hospitals, doctors, boom. Yeah. yeah it'll be, yeah. it'll be seen everywhere. Yeah. They might start doing something with the song. You never know. You, wouldn't that be crazy if they had like a weird hit with it now and it somehow made its way into the set list whenever things come back <laughs> to normal. <laughs> Actually, I think That's it would funny. be a great song at the end of the show when the house lights come up to play. Yeah you know, live, oh, yeah. or not live, but over the sound system. I kind of wish they would do, speaking of Alice Cooper, I don't know if any of you guys have seen Alice in the last couple of years, but before his shows over the PA, they don't play anything but Alice Cooper music. And I wish mm -hmm. Kiss would do that. It's amazing. It's mostly deep cuts, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I think Kiss should do the same thing, honestly. It's, it's, it's funny. I mean, even last year when he was touring with Hellstorm, it was kind of a co-headlining thing. Uh, you know, Hellstorm played, it's whatever. And the second they were done, it was just Alice for the rest of the night over the PA. I just, I love that. I think Kiss should do the same thing. I always think of these Alice Cooper ideas for Kiss, you know, when they go, well, how could we get like all four members to go on stage at the end with, you know, can have two Catmans and two Spacemans. And I don't know if any of you saw the trash tour or the video where they pull Alice backstage and the nurses grab them and throw the makeup on them and, it's all in a video, and they put him in a straight jacket. So I always come up with these weird, cool Alice ideas for Kiss. Like they could have like a Devereaux type fight where they drag <laughs> drag off Tommy and Ace, or Tommy and 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 Eric, and then have uh, you know Peter and whoever come out and yeah, and do then, the makeup backstage on have them come out somehow. You know, then Paul, you know Paul, uh, the. Peter and Ace get in a fight with Tommy and Eric and kick their yeah. heads off, and then and then and then <laughs> they're like and, that. And, then and then they so, turn and around. Like a stage hand they turn around and, and their their ma their instruments magically appear, and then Paul turns around and goes, "Is everybody ready for the real kiss?" <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like Phantom of the Park. <laughs> like Phantom of the Park. You know, I can yeah. see I can see that guy in the front too, just being like, "I told you that Ace could kill Tommy Thayer. Look, he's dead. He's dead. He's right over there. He's dead. He's dead." Ripped his power they, pack out. They did it on stage. He won't uh, go to jail though. He's ace. Ace will never go to I jail. I tell you what, I would even at his age, I would not want to get in a fight with with Peter Chris. No, no, I, no. He, no. He'd be like kind. He his punch, his first punch is going to your balls. <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> or your armpit. You know, you got to remember that Ace, uh, the Ace and uh, Peter both man grew up in gangs. They they the. They are the 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 dark to Paul and Gene's light, you know. Even though Gene tries to make himself out to be a badass, at the end of the day, he was still a mama's boy, and mm -hmm. him and Paul were cut from the same cloth, and Ace and Peter from the other. Um, so 
you know, it's that's one of the things I loved about them. We're, we're woo, off in off in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> okay, so brings us up to the top three, and I always love getting up into the top three. It's so exciting. So, what's predictions for number three? I predict the journey of a thousand years. Okay. Uh, I predicted. I pledge allegiance. I predicted within. I predicted within as well. We are so similar in our predictions. <laughs> yeah. um, at 581 points, the panel chose for number three, within. Five panelists, Matthew Smith, CC, Katie Christina, Steve Revis, and Snake Hips 3131 picked within as their favorite song. I picked within as uh, number three. Thank God we got a demon album, a demon song on this album. Thank God, and this album, this song fell low on a lot of people's lists, and I don't know what their problem is, but um, this is a demon song, and thank God we got it. The this Bruce Kulick on this song, people. This is basically, you know, one one member shy of the the band that we had for the latter part of the the eighties and or latter part of the nineties. So it's like. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about this song. Uh, with with the backwards solo, it kind of took me back to Revenge a little bit and took me back to Carnival of Souls a little bit. This song could have been on Carnival of Souls. It could have been on Revenge. It definitely has a Carnival of Souls Revenge sound to it with, with Bruce being on it and everything. I love the way Gene sings the verses. He sings in that low, you know, that low Gene tone, and then he comes in screaming on the uh, on the uh, chorus, and then it's got that musical interlude at the end, uh, you know, for the solo. Uh, so I mean, I love this song, and then it and and this is like one of my favorite parts of the album because it goes from within into I pledge allegiance to the state. So it's just it's just a great part of the album it's when the album is firing on all cylinders for me um before it dies quickly uh, so yeah within is number three for me number two for me um such a great gene song demon song uh i love the feeling of the bruce guitar at the beginning the second chorus when you combine the spoken word with the vote the vocal is absolutely amazing goosebump time and that's why this song did not work live you live you have to this song to be effective you have to have that gene spoken word and that that singing at the same time and it just didn't work live but man towards the end there's a you said bruce played bass on this Mm. whoever played bass was amazing because at the end there's this bass slide drop to just a note that like will crack your ribs, and then the riff at the end of this song that oh, delicious, delicious, delicious. Number two. <laughs> uh, I picked it as number eight. Um, only for me, it didn't fit on the record, um, and it was horrible live. I thought, but if it was on Carnival Souls, it would have been great. It it fits there. From what I understand, it was a Carnival Souls song meant to be on Carnival Souls. Um, didn't make it. Um, so 
I put it at number eight because I just think it, it just kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, but it's not the only song that does that on this record. I think it's a, like I said, a very discombobulated record. So I put it at number eight. I put it at number eight as well, but in hindsight, looking at my list, I kind of think I should have put it at six or seven. Uh, nonetheless, I think it's a good song. I think it's nice to have a heavy one. You are 100% correct that it's nice to have a demon one on there. And uh, it works really well. This is one that pretty early on in my Kiss fandom, I could tell this kind of didn't seem like the same band musically. Now, I wasn't in the ballpark of thinking, oh, that definitely wasn't Ace playing on it or Peter or anything. But when you really listen to it, especially some of those like background guitar parts, when you're kind of getting further into it, that's just not Ace's style. So it's very obvious. But as far as the rest of it goes, you know, it's cool to have a heavy song on there. It sounded kind of modern, which was nice. Again, I kind of like <laughs> the things that sound a little bit modern on this while also having throwbacks to the old school version of the band. And I 100% agree with you guys that this did not work very well live. It was just, this was the bathroom break of that show for people. You know, people like you, you guys and me, we of course stuck there the whole time, but for anyone that needed to go to the bathroom, this was the time because they didn't know this song. It was slow, it was plotting, uh, you know, in a live setting if you weren't familiar with it. And uh, it just didn't work too well. But uh, I think it's pretty good recorded. It, it would have worked better on Carnival of Souls more than likely because it sounds like a Carnival of Souls song. But uh, I didn't know that when I got it because at that time, even though Carnival of Souls was out there, I hadn't heard that record at that point. I'd heard the classic ones and this. So, you know, I think it's a cool song, uh, but it's just not my favorite on the album, but it's good. All right. So we're going to discuss, we're going to talk about number two. And if you've been playing along, if you've been playing along, once uh, we talk about what number two is, you're going to uh, know what number one is. So let's go ahead and get the prediction for number two. We we are one. I, mean, I also chose we are one as number two. I chose it there too. Also, I think my thinking behind it was because of the recent resurgence uh, of the push on that song. I I predicted I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll at number two, but I think that was just me wanting it to be higher in all honesty. <laughs> um, at six hundred and twenty nine points, breaking into the six hundreds. 629 points for number two, the panel chose Into the Void. Twelve <laughs> panelists, Jay Rucker, Paul Bertolino, Christopher Rossiu, Lakers fan, Bucket of Trouble, Joel Pegg, Brian Stacy, Jesse Ray, Raven FM, John B. Good, John O., and a panelist picked, uh, I mean, and a host picked uh, Into the Void as their number one song. I picked Into the Void as my number two. For the longest time, this was my favorite song on the album because I drink the hell out of that blue Kool-Aid. And um, this is the only song on the album that, to me, sounded like Kiss for a very good reason because it's the only effing song that all four of them are playing on. Um, <laughs> the only Kiss song. <laughs> so it is, only, it is the only true kiss song on this album because it is all four members playing all four instruments and a singing um and uh you know and it's actually surprised me because i thought for the longest time when this album came out that ace pulled a rocket ride or pulled a you know uh something like that where or a lot of the songs that his songs on dynasty his songs on unmasked where his songs were essentially him and anton fig uh 
uh, you know, that he, he played everything except for the drums. He sang everything. But this actually was, it is all four members, and uh, I can't say anything. The only thing I can really slide it on that, that's caused it to drop for me over time and just dropping to number two has been um, the 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 whole part of the solo, not the solo, the whole part of the uh, chorus, the whole into the void. It gets kind of droning after, over over time. It's gotten kind of droning, but the riff is a juicy riff. the The verses are cool. Ace is not always wrote about the deepest subject matter, but it's true, Ace. But I just I love Ace's attitude. I love Ace's confidence and his his spunkiness that he has when he sings. Um, but yeah, so it's number two for me. Number eight for me, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. Do that again, Rick. You you glitched oh. on my side. Uh, it's number eight for me, and that doesn't mean I don't like it. It's a uh, it was great hearing Ace again, but for me, the minute I got the single with the three D video and had in your face, I always went to that instead. Yep, that I always went to in your face more and so i always just kind of my history of listening to this record i always because i have both cds in one case i always just listen to in your face more than into the void but i do like it and it was a great it was man it was great hearing ace again and it was it's a perfect ace song it it's very it could be on love gun you know it's got that vibe to it so for that i like it and it it only scored eight for me, because there's just other songs I listen to more. Okay. Well, what about you? Well, I scored it as number one, um, and I did so because it is the one song that is how the album was represented to be. It was represented to be a original member Kiss album. Um, and for that reason... Um, you know, I was very disappointed, obviously, when I dropped the needle, I knew I knew I didn't need someone to tell me. And then later I found out which songs, of course, but um, I just love it. I mean, like Rick said, it sounds like an old Kiss song. Um, to me, it sounds a little rushed. I think, um, you know, obviously Ace had a different song in mind and, and, you know, Gene told him, I guess, to change the words. So he changed the words and they threw Peter on and that was that. Um, but I do think it's a good song, and I think it goes to show if they really took the time to work with Ace and Peter and do an album with those guys, that it, they could have made a really good album. Um, and I think really they just didn't want to take the time to do it, you know, from what I have heard. There's so many different stories, but from what I've heard and read, uh, that was just it, you know, it was they looked at if they were to work with Ace and Peter, it was going to be a massive undertaking. So, so they did one song and, um, you know, it just, it's sad, you know, because they had six years together and they, they did one song <laughs> and they redid re Detroit rock city for the movie, which was supposed to be released as a single. And then it ended up being that Paul ballad. Um, so we never got that uh, released. Um, but uh, for me, it's number one. All right. Chris? Cool. Uh, I have it at number four, and that's no slide against it because, again, everything 
eight and up. It's just I consider pretty much perfect. And uh, this is exactly what you want from Ace. That it's, it, there's nothing else to say. It's just a straightforward rocker. You don't want him trying to write about anything too deep or do anything musically different or anything like that. And that's what I love about Ace. I mean, the few times that he's kind of straight outside of his normal realm, it's it's been okay sometimes. But Ace is the most rock and roll member of Kiss. Period. I mean, he's the guy that does the most drinking, the most partying. And as a result, musically, it's kind of there as well. And I love this song. I kind of agree with Rick there that In Your Face might be a better song. It just might be a better song. But uh, I love this one. I think it works. I think it fits the vibe of the record. And again, with it being you know, the only real Kiss song on the record, that kind of makes sense. Uh, the only thing that I think is completely heartbreaking is I would have loved to have seen an Ace solo record. We talk about solo records a lot on this. An Ace solo record made in 98 with this production It'd been amazing. It would have been such a good rock record. I'm not putting down Anomaly or Spaceman or any of those more current ones, but with Ace where he was vocally, musically, and this production and this budget behind it, that would have been a great record. It, it would have been really cool in 98, imagine if they had all put out solo records again and then put out like a compilation afterwards, and that's what Psycho Circus would have became. Imagine that. <laughs> Food for thought. But uh, I love this one. It worked really well live, as opposed to Within. This one works really well live, and occasionally... Uh, occasionally ace would even pull it out live when he was solo which was cool so uh worked really well in the live setting it's just a great straightforward rock and roll song i love it it's great okay so that brings us to number one so what was the predictions for number one Durr. psycho circus yeah psycho circus <laughs> yeah. yep psycho circus and and uh and uh commandingly uh you can tell that this was a popularity contest. Um, not slighting the song at all, but uh, number two scored 629. Well, number one, Psycho Circus, scored 810. I've never seen it skip like hundreds like that before. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, 810 for Psycho Circus. Um, and we had 41 panel members pick Psycho Circus as their... Um, we had 41 panel members pick their Psycho Circus as their favorite song. So you guys can take another break for a second because I'm going to read them off. David Bars, <laughs> Two Gay Dads, uh, Buckwheat, Brian Foster, X Josh, Les Wadley, Robbie Stars, Travis Mulgard, Sandy Graziano, Mark Morris, Sublime 130, Mixie Horror and Pop Culture, Carolina Hard Rock Metalhead, CD Scale Models, John Howard, Roger Bennett, Scott Epperly, Mudbone, Hit Space 1980, Jay Reed, Juan SB, Emily Graziano, Luis Fernando, Darren Halliwell, uh, Tony Rod, Jack Skellington, um, Dave Cranston, Jeff Wyatt, Vincent Marone Author, Ace Van Deuce, Sam Loomis, Steve Hardy, Keith Needu, Wesley Jones, Terry Very Holloway, uh, Walter Jason, Matt Yucci, Scott Luska, Scotty Sky, Tony P, and Drew Tan, 16, picked it as their number one song. Psycho Circus, for me, I picked it as um, number four. It used to be number two for me um, for the longest time. Uh, for the longest time, my favorites was in, Into the Void, uh, Within, and, and uh, Psycho Circus. Uh, but it's number four for me now. Um, 
it's still a great song. It's a little fatigued to me, but Paul sounds great. Um, the music is is great. I love the whole carousel thing at the beginning, and then the whole fun house effect, and then building into the video, or, or building into the. Uh, I'm thinking about the video building into the song, um, and uh, Paul sounds great. The opening scream at the very beginning is great. This is that, and you know. He actually says, you know, they they have a song called We Are One, and he actually says, hello, here I am, here we are, we are one. I've been waiting for this night to come. I love, it's just such simple lyrics, but it is, to me, this is the song that kind of binds us together, and, you know, you're in the psycho circus, welcome to the show, because Kiss is a crazy, they're, they're full of a bunch of crazy people, so it is the psycho circus. All four of them are crazy in their own way. Don't let everybody ever tell you different, that all four of these guys are crazy in their own way. Um, some more, a little more than others. but um, And it is the Psycho Circus, and this was the Psycho Circus. Uh, and I love that they branded it the Psycho Circus. Um, but, yeah, I love the song. I love everything about it. I love the interlude after the solo where it kind of drops down and, he does that. I've been waiting here to be your guide. I love, I love that part too. So yeah, so it's uh, it's dropped a little over the years for me, but it's still number four. So what about you guys, Rick? Uh, it's number three for me. It's we we're talking about Alice Cooper a lot. Um, I Alice has a song "Hello Hooray," which is a cover song anyway. But Psycho Circus always reminded me of Kiss trying to do a "Hello Hooray." And uh, it's such a great opener to a record. Like you said, it's got that, you know, carousel beginning and kind of spooky and and fun. And then it just goes into this great song. And I love this on the end of the road tour. This is a great yes. moment of that show. Uh, they brought up all the Psycho Circus, like, you know, screens and everything. And it was just a very cool moment. And it's a it's a powerful song that, it's it's hard to find current Kiss songs that, that stand up today. And this is one of them. And it's just kind of a, an odd song that has lasted um, that will always end up on any greatest hits going forward, I think. And for that, I, I just really dig it. Number three. Okay, well. I have it as number five. And I kind of agree with Rick. And I, I always thought of it as sort of like a hell of a ray type song with the makeup running down my face and all that. And, uh, you know, I used to just picture that, you know, um, the four guys and putting on the makeup and going out on stage. And, you know, I never really knew what a psycho circus was supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> um but yeah, I think it's a great, powerful opening opening song. And I and I remember, you know, I, I was in Hawaii, obviously. But when the tour started, they had the the guys in the motorcycles going around the cages and all that stuff. And I remember thinking, oh no, I was referring to Chris Lynn's book. They're going to overdo it, and they're going to blow their wad in this tour, like on Dynasty, and have to scale it down. Um, but uh, but I, I like the song, and it's number five. And uh, you know, it was a like Rick was saying too, I went to the end of the road tour and that was one of my favorite parts was that when they had the screen in the background and, and it was it was one of the coolest parts of the show actually because they did it so well in that part. So. 
So yeah, good song. I love it. Number five. Have it at uh, number three. So it's definitely up there. I think it's a great opening song. I think it's like a very much definitive type of opening song. I think they could have used it as the opener for more tours than just the Psycho Circus tour, but uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, works really well in that scenario. Uh, it's worked on uh, End of the Road really well where they placed it as well, and it's it's cool because again, it, like you guys said, it has that good build up. It has kind of that breakdown after the solo and whatnot. I have no clue why they didn't have Ace play the solo. Plainly, he could do it live, and it still sounded good. But nonetheless, uh, it works really well. And I remember when I heard this song. And when you kind of have the breakdown where it kind of mellows down after the guitar solo, you know, I knew those parts that they were going to have the explosions in, even as a kid, where it had the, you know, step up and then the big, you know, explosion comes, as we all know. I knew that was going to happen and I was ready for it. I was pumped. I was like, yes, yes, we're going to see explosions. We're going to see fire. And the only disappointing thing about this song, it's more for the album in, in whole, basically, is that they built this whole concept around psycho circus and circus things and stunts and freak shows or whatever around this song and it's the name of the album, but past this song, that's not really a thing <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, I hate to use these guys as like a positive thing, but you could look at a band like the insane clown posse and their whole thing is the dark carnival and all this shtick. And funny enough, I remember when psycho circus came out, a lot of the kids in high school were like, Oh yeah. Kiss just ripped off ICP fun fact for you guys. But uh, nonetheless, those guys commit to a shtick and it's there the whole time. So you gotta give them credit for that. So that's the only thing that I think kind of sucks about this song is that it has such potential for a full album, full tour and all these other things. And that, that potential is just kind of, it's, it's not there, you know. But otherwise, if you take it out of, out of that context, it's a wonderful song. Paul in his prime again. Uh, you know, Paul, he, he doesn't do bad. Paul doesn't do bad things usually. And this is a good example of, again, Paul just, he knew they needed a good intro song. He knew they needed a, uh, a good song for the live setting to be, you know, an intro song. And, and he delivered in spades, I would say, on this one. Uh -huh. didn't, uh, didn't, didn't ICP slam Kiss in a song? After I, this album came out, I think they did Something actually. Like, funny enough, yeah, I think fuck Gene Simmons, <laughs> fuck Kiss, yeah, Psycho Circus. How did you come up with that shit? I think yeah, I think they that's did. That's hilarious. Which is <laughs> funny because then you kind of want to get in touch with uh, the ICP guys, uh, Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope, and just be like, hey, did you know about Carnival of Souls as well? Because <laughs> that sounds way more ICP than Psycho Circus, honestly, to me, as far as the title goes. But uh, let's not get on an ICP tangent because we're, <laughs> we're better than that. <laughs> Um, I'm going to, I'm going to recap, I'm going to recap this real quick. Uh, and then I have a, for our final thoughts, I have a question. So for those, those viewers who stick around this late, um, so the, the final list was at number 10, I finally found my way. Number nine, you wanted the best. Number eight, dreaming. Number seven, raise your glasses. Number six, journey of a thousand years. Number five, I let I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll. Number number four, we are one. Number three, within. Number two, into the void. Number one, the psycho circus. Um, final thoughts, question uh, for for the pant for for us the four people. Um, I saw it mentioned several times in the discussion of the uh, of the panel that. Kiss coming back, Kiss making a comeback should have made a comeback with the producer that they produced with in the past. So maybe coming back with somebody like Eddie Kramer 
coming back with somebody like uh, Bob Ezrin, even though they'd just done Bob Ezrin with Revenge. Um, so th what's your thoughts on, we'll start with you, Rick, and we can kind of work our way around. We'll have an open discussion. What's the thoughts on what this album would have been like had somebody like Eddie Kramer or uh, uh, Bob Ezrin had produced it instead of Bruce Fairborn? I think I think it would have been a more cohesive record had Eddie Kramer. I'm going to go with Eddie Kramer just because of the Ace connection. Had Eddie, Eddie Kramer produced this, you would have seen more involvement of Ace and Peter. They would have been on every track. They would have had better songs. But I think putting yourself back in the 1998 time period, that reunion tour made so much money. They didn't really give a crap about this record. It was get back out on tour. That's where we make our money. So hurry up with this, put it out, go back out on tour. Eddie Kramer would have taken his time, and I think that financial window would have grown. Mm -hmm. But we would have had a we would have had the 1979 return of Kiss that we wanted. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What do you think, Walter? Well, I think that they definitely should have went with, uh, sorry, my earbud fell out. Um, Eddie Kramer would have been my choice as well. Um, and I think like Rick was saying, I think Eddie would have definitely brought out the best in Ace. And, uh, and if Ace and Peter, I mean, I just read, what I know about this, this whole thing is that the, the reunion tour through the farewell was always a five-year contract. Um, when it came time to do the album, I know that Peter was psyched to do an Ace. You know, they really wanted to do an album together, and were actually paid to say they were on the or not to say, basically to not reveal that they weren't on the album. And then they, to amuse them, they were put on the album so they could say it was a reunion album. So that was kind of what was going on there, and so there was already cracks in the band when they were making that album you know it's like everything happened all over again um <clears throat> so and they always blame gene uh, gene and paul always blame ace and peter for everything that goes wrong yeah. in kiss anytime yeah. the four of them are together paul and gene walk away no no fault no guilt whatsoever everything's always fucking ace and peter's problems and that also pisses me off because <laughs> yeah, I'm it, sorry. It, 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 you know, they're not the only ones at fault. Maybe Paul and Gene are just hard to work for or hard to work with or working for. Well, look working at how for. many bands are still <laughs> together and, you know, certainly had drug problems throughout their history and are still together. So, I, you know, I certainly think that all could have been worked out. Who knows? Um, all I know is is with Psycho Circus, um, they definitely did blame Ace and Peter. They're blaming them, saying that they wanted to renew, renegotiate their contracts, and yada, yada, yada. And the fans don't care. We just need to put out this record. Um, but they did care. Um, but I don't think they look at it that way. They look at more of, you know, who's going to come to the concerts? Who's the, you know... it's a, it, We're a small group, guys like me, and, and they're not making records for guys like me they're making records for they're know. not doing set lists for guys like us they're exactly. doing set lists for the general populace for the rest of the flock 
of sheep. Right. So uh, I just think it was, you know, they had the opportunity. I wish they would have really just gotten a good producer and had Ace and Peter on the record. Um, at least had Ace on the on the whole thing. You know, if they couldn't have Peter on the whole thing, at least have him do a rock song, do a ballad, and, you know, play as much as they can have him play. But uh, I just think, you know, to me, it was a missed opportunity, you know, and it, it kind of bums me out when you look at, and I'm with you, I think they should have went back to uh, the Kulik lineup after the reunion was over, mm-hmm. um, the farewell tour. Yeah. So, Chris, what about you as far as a producer goes? Yeah, I'm looking something up right now. I just thought about because I'm literally looking at the credentials of these producers and uh, I'm trying to find who produced a certain record from them uh, that I cannot find right now because additional personnel um, producer. Where's the production? Okay, this guy, Kevin Shirley. That's not an old producer, uh, but Okay, let me go here. This uh, this all makes sense now. Because I was looking at kind of the credentials of what all those guys were doing around that time. Because I think that's important. Because we can always say, let's go back to one of the old guys. But they might be good. They might not be good. So I looked up Eddie Kramer. And around that time period, in 1998, he produced a record for Brian May from Queen, of course. That's that's great. Uh, before that, in 96, he produced a record for Buddy Guy. He did Carl Perkins before then. Uh, Buddy Guy before that. And, of course, Alive 3 in 93. Uh, and then if we look up Bob Ezrin, on the other hand, his is a lot harder to follow on Wikipedia because it has it by the bands, but and not the year. But nonetheless, he still has a really good track record, obviously. But the one I was looking up that's not an old one was a gentleman named Kevin Shirley. You guys know who he is? He produced uh, Aerosmith Nine Lives. Now, the reason I was looking that up is I'm kind of taking your your question and just throwing a whole new wrench into it. Nine Lives did really well for Aerosmith. They had hits on that. They had Pink, obviously. Uh, Falling in Love is Hard on the Knees was also a pretty big hit. And that was a very important record for them at that time. It did really well. Obviously, going back to some of the old guys, and I think if you're talking about the old guys, I think uh, Eddie Kramer would probably work really well because he knew the guys, he knew what was up. But I think this Kevin Shirley guy might be really good because he made Aerosmith have a hit at that time, which plainly they'd been having a record of hits before that would get a grip and all that other stuff. But where I'm kind of going with this is that's a guy that knew the musical landscape at the time, but he also knew classic rock bands that were really trying to bring themselves back into the you know, foray of mainstream culture at that time. So I think he might be a cool one, even though he never worked with them. So that's, that's a very much wild card I'm throwing in there for you guys. But, but if we're going with an old one. Eddie Kramer would be dope. Yeah, Eddie Kramer yeah. would be dope. I thought about this. Um, I think... We touched. We talked about that they had Psycho Circus. They had all the imagery of Psycho Circus. They had all of the um, the song Psycho Circus. All the merchandise in the Psycho Circus. So it almost lends. It's like until you get past the first track, it lends like it possibly could have been a concept album. So if you go into a concept album, then you've got to have Bob Ezrin. And if if it would have been Bob Ezrin. It would have been a concept album. It would not have been, not saying that Psycho Circus was hand over fist successful, um, because I think it was overall a a disappointment. Um, But if they would have gotten Bob Ezrin, they would have had more of a Psycho Circus. It maybe would have had a little more Alice feel than it already had. It had a little Alice feel already. It probably would have had a little more Alice. Uh, Bob probably would have, you know, dug back into when he did producing for Alice and everything. Um, so I think it would have overall been a scoping more of a cohesive concept album. Um, it would have been a destroyer 
part two, uh, you know, uh, Chris. Um, if you, if they wanted to make a rock album, then, then by all means, Eddie Kramer would have been, you would have had more songs like In Your Face, Into the Void, Within. You would have had more songs like that. I Pledge Allegiance to the State. You would have had more songs like that. You would have had less songs like... Um, we are one journey without journey of a thousand years. Maybe you would have had a dreaming. Maybe you would have had a raise your glasses. I don't think you'd have had if you wanted the best. You wouldn't have had a song like that. I don't think. I think Eddie would have, like you said, somebody said he would have pulled more out of Ace. Um, he would have kept Peter involved. But then somebody else touched on something, and I have I have two pieces of I have two pieces of Kiss merchandise I want to show here. I want to show my Kiss socks, my Kiss merchandise, my Kiss socks. I got it. I got something for you guys. And I want to show another piece of Kiss merchandise. This album, this album to Kiss was no different than these effing socks. Yeah, it's True. a piece of merchandise. This yeah. is this is a this is a merchandise piece of merchandise from the Psycho Circus era, just as these <laughs> socks are a piece of merchandise from the now era. Um, this wasn't an out. They didn't, they didn't approach and handle this as an album that should have all four of these guys on the back of it or on the cover of it. Um, this was approached as Paul and Gene making something. Um, well, they, the band got back together. Like same thing with guns and roses. Everybody, Guns N' Roses has been back together for a while now. Everybody's like, oh, they should make an album. They should make an album. They should make an album. My opinion, no. no don't do no, it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't don't do the it. Legacy. It's, yeah, it's, go it's going to suck. I'm telling you, it's going to suck. Don't do well, it. <clears throat> I always I, thought uh, Kiss should have, um, you know, it's interesting. They've only made four albums since Revenge. Can you think about that? And they're, they they're, gonna, they have zero interest in making new new music. Paul said so. Well, I know Paul only writes because I know a friend, uh, uh, a guy I know knows Ken Sharp really well, and Paul only writes for albums. He doesn't just sit around and write songs like Gene does. Um, but I wanted to show a piece of merchandise like you because I think it's hilarious. It's nothing cool. It's just like the most. Gene's Gene, tongue. Gene's tongue. Now. It, Think about this. If, if this came out in the 70s, like how funny that would have been. I wish that would have came out in the tongue, 70s, man. Right? I'd love to have one of those. I'd walk, I went to school <laughs> with that shit, man. You could blow, you, you could, there's a nub where you could bite on it, like a pacifier, and then inflate it. <laughs> so it'll that inflate is, real that big, been, like that a cow's tongue. <laughs> oh my God, that would have been amazing. I would have loved the oddest that. Piece, the oddest piece of Sonic or Sonic Boom, the oddest piece of Psycho Circus memorabilia was the Kimchi Chris, you probably remember this, the Psycho Circus baseball at Spencer's. I do remember. Do you, oh, oh my it. gosh. It's, I, it's, I was a manager. Hold on. Hold on. That, that was like, that. you talk about a whiteboard. That was, yeah. it was like, okay, look, we got this, we got this, baseball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I actually was a supervisor at Spencer's, and it was the worst job I ever had. We had to redo that story every week. It's actually not the Psycho Circus one, but uh, 
Uh, okay. it, it's stored in this cup, of course. <laughs> no, they do have a Psycho Circus baseball ring. I remember that, though. It's, it's like orange with it's the orange. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought I had it. It's this. I think I might have it somewhere, but this is the one that I had up up there. So I yeah. think they actually have a bunch on Kiss Museum that Ace signed. So you can get an Ace signed baseball. Ooh, fancy. Well, that's all I've got, guys. Uh, that's all for this panel. We hope that you guys enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, if you like the video, be sure to give a thumbs up. That way YouTube knows you like it, and they'll distribute it out to uh, recommend it to other KISS fans as well. Um, be sure to uh, check out Rick's channel. It's all for you, Demon. Uh, be sure to give him a subscribe, click the notification bell, uh, and like his videos as well. Same thing goes for Walt, KISS and Time, and same thing goes for Kimchi Chris down here. Uh, be sure to check those guys out on YouTube and give them a subscription. Kimchi's real close and watch Walt video, watch his videos and give him uh, some love too. And uh, the next album that we will be doing is, where is it? I have it somewhere. Does somebody have theirs? Sonic Boom! Remember how Paul would always Sonic shout Boom! Sonic Boom! Boom! Sonic Boom! boom. All Go right, people. Your local Walmart. <laughs> Sonic Boom, and I know a How many of like to shop at Walmart? <laughs> How many of you like to take a taste of Walmart Deli? <laughs> <laughs> Pair with your Natty Light and your copy of Sonic Boom. Boom. <laughs> I love the commercials. I love the commercials, though. The commercial. Gene's like, this is what you want. <laughs> funny oh, yeah. story. Funny yeah. story. At, at the Sonic Boom show, super quick, Paul was going into his head down to your local Walmart. <laughs> My friend Mike next to me goes, oh, here we go. And Paul heard him. And Paul looked at us and goes, I ain't too proud. And I was like, oh, shit. So, guys, Sonic Boom's the next one. So find, and let, let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a little housekeeping here. Hopefully you guys are still watching. Um, I really appreciate when you guys send me messages with your lists. Those are how lists uh, do not get included. <laughs> um, go to either my Twitter, my Instagram, my YouTube, or my Facebook and find the post for this album. It will look like this. Find the post and leave your list under there. There you go. Find it and leave it there. Don't leave it under another video. I had to go actually search for one today. Don't leave it under another video. Don't leave it. Don't send it to me instant message or private message or whatever. I understand that a lot of you want to make sure that I get them, but that is one of the best ways to make sure that I don't get it. So yeah, find this post. Go to my YouTube page, go to the community tab, or go to Instagram, or my Facebook, or my Twitter. Look for this, and then comment your list down on the bottom. Um, 11 tracks, so from your favorite to least favorite, 11 tracks. This will be going in my car. I will be jamming to this this week, and I will be immersing myself in it. And I can't wait to cover this. So, anyway, that's all I've got. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. Appreciate you taking your time. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for watching. Check these guys out, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was fun. Good old Paul Stanley, people. I heard y'all talking about me.
heard y'all talking <laughs> about me. We're gonna come get y'all. We're gonna come get you. <laughs> <laughs>